With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Bulletin. Right, Tom Bartlett with us this morning, which is fantastic. Tom, busy over the weekend uh, calling Farah Palmer Cup games, including the one at Fokotani, and uh, I believe Canterbury has uh, won over counties as well. Tom, impressed with um, the standard going into um, uh, the Farah Palmer Cup, and uh, of course, bearing in mind uh, some black ferns may well come out of this Saturday afternoon. Um, they were they were a real um, they were a real handful for Counties Manukau at times. Canterbury scored some wonderful tries. Really had to grind out the win, but once they put the foot down, um, they certainly um, they were they were mighty impressive. And then yesterday afternoon um, in Fakatane, as you touched on, uh, Smithy Hawks Bay, the Tui, who who really needed to win that game. Obviously, their semi final hopes were were kind of resting on the result of that, and they they got the job done. It was a very difficult condi- very difficult conditions at Rugby Park there and in the Eastern Bay of Plenty, but they came and got the job done and, and that'll give them a huge amount of confidence. So yeah, I've, I've seen some, some real talent coming out of the, the FPC, out of the Farah Palmer Cup, and uh, I think uh, Alan Bunting and the Black Ferns coaches will be pretty excited about that next wave of, of group coming through. There, there's obviously, uh, you know, you can, you can see where the, the, the effort has gone in, particularly in the, in the forwards, the packers, the packs are very good, they're very mobile, the the players run with the ball, so it's a. It's been a. Yeah, the talent coming out of the FPC, I think, uh, will leave the Black Ferns coaches feeling pretty good about um, what they've got to deal with going into this, uh, particularly what's coming up in the next couple of months. Yeah, plenty of uh, talent coming out of the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup as well. Um, not quite what uh, we wanted it to be after that win against Norway, but the lasting legacy for you, Tom, where does it leave you? Oh, what a wonderful tournament, Smithy. I've got to say, I was sort of reflecting a little bit. Uh, on this last night, just sitting there watching that final and thinking to myself about all the events I've been lucky enough to cover in my in my relatively short career, uh, and you know the FIFA Women's World Cup to have that here uh, and the impact that that's going to have, I think on on sport, not just not just um, women's sport. I know obviously there's a huge emphasis on the fact that this was a women's World Cup, but but just sport in general. The fact that football has done so well uh, will do so well out of this in New Zealand. Facilities upgraded. We've had FIFA in town. We've seen that. You know the the professionalism and and sort of the circus that comes in with FIFA and and for me really I mean yes the, the we would have loved to have seen the football ferns um, go further in the tournament but I think it's sort of regardless of how well they did football been the kind of the the big winner here and I, I, the global game we talk a lot about some of the sports that New Zealanders play and and those kind of things and perhaps rugby and cricket aren't aren't so quite as global as football is but football really is the global game and it's great to have be part of that and, and for me that's the, the sort of the legacy that it leaves behind for those that are, will follow is that it is a, it's a tremendous game that, that thousands and millions, millions, not thousands millions around the world play and, and we've become sort of part of that and I think that's, that's exciting for the sport going forward and obviously there's the, the impact on, the, on women's sport here in New Zealand I think um, you know, that, that we'll see that lasting forever and I just think when I looked across at that 80,000 in Australia and I thought to some of the events over the few years that I've been mm. lucky enough to do sports journalism, I thought to myself, well, it, it's, quite a, it's, quite, it's quite amazing that we're now in a place where uh, you can get 80,000 for a Women's World Cup final and, and I think it's tremendous. So, it's, um, yeah, it's, what, a, what a month. I'm actually going to miss it. I'll miss, the, I'll miss going home and watching it yep. late at night. It's been, been awesome. Oh. 
I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm going to miss it. Uh, I'll tell you, there's a double challenge for me here in, in this country. Uh, one is for New Zealand football to somehow cash in on that. Um, I, I think that is a, a, an immediate challenge for them. But there's also a challenge too for people who are in charge of events at Stadia throughout this country to match the kind of uh, impressive uh, invitation, I guess, and deliverance that FIFA came up with. 100% for I'm glad you touched on that because um, Eden Park, I've been going to Eden Park for 20, 30 years and I've never seen it run. Uh, in the way that it was run during the FIFA Women's World Cup. The the amount of people that were involved, and I know that FIFA obviously has a big part to play in that. They come in and they bring their people and they hire um, lots of people and they really they, they ensure it's a big event. But, you know, we are poorly served sometimes in New Zealand when it comes to, to stadium experience. And, and I think what the FIFA Women's World Cup has shown us is that's how you do it. Yes, it costs money. and Yes, it's great uh, when you've got, you know, the backing of FIFA and they can hire and bring in all the people. But um, that's what creates the stadium experience. It's a it's a huge thing, and, I, and I'm I'm pleased you touched on that, Smithy, because it really did have an impact on me. I, I thought when I went to those games at Eden Park, I thought, wow, this is Eden Park like I haven't seen it before, and I think that that speaks to that. Right, uh, let's uh, look at what's uh, coming up as well, uh, rugby wise. Of course, uh, NPC is in uh, pretty much in full swing now. Uh, but all eyes on Twickenham uh, this weekend, the All Blacks and the Springboks. And, uh, Tom, I, I'm not quite sure what... I, I, I'd like to think we're going to see a full-on clash between the All Blacks and the Springboks, but I'm not sure we can afford to see that kind of clash, can we? <laughs> well, I, like you, if I'd been speaking to you, Smithy, an hour ago, I would have agreed wholeheartedly about um, your sort of concerns there around what we were going to see. Well, I've just been listening um, to Jason Ryan uh, who's been speaking uh, to to the smallish media New Zealand media contingent that is uh, headed to to London this week, uh, and he's been saying about um, you know he was asked a little bit about is this a bit of a juggling act? Obviously, the fact is that you've got some guys like David Harvilli in the squad that you might want to give a run and those kind of things. And how to, how difficult is it to kind of look at this because of course you don't want to lose players to injury. But he made it pretty clear, Smithy, um, that. Um, uh, they, they, there is no juggling act here. This is a very important test match for the All Blacks in the build-up to the Rugby World Cup. They want another strong performance that they can take to Paris with them, uh, knowing that they've then played, what was that, it'll be five, six games, um, having won them all and feeling good about life. They don't want to uh, throw anything less than 100% at the Springboks, and I suppose you, you, know, you can see why that's the case. We saw what the Springboks did uh, to Wales over the weekend, so they're starting to hum along quite nicely. So it is shaping up. Mm. Uh, it's quite a test match. But you, your point about not wanting to go too hard, because wouldn't it be a, it would be a, not a disaster, because, you know, no rugby injury is a disaster in, in the context of life, but it would be very unfortunate if the All Blacks were to go full noise this weekend and lose a couple of players to injury, wouldn't it? So there's a, there is a, there's a, there's certainly a, um, a bit of a, a juggling act to go on, on shore, even though Jason Ryan wants to see that performance um, go full throttle and the Springboks will come at it, um, but I, I do feel that they're going to have to hold a few things back because they just can't afford to, to, to lose too much going into that Paris Test match. OK, um, any positions up for grabs then, if, if we're looking at in that? Are you happy that you know in your head uh, who we're going to start in our 15 against France? Um, well, it's sort of very, I suppose there's a, there's a couple there that are going to be forced. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the Shannon Frizzell uh, problem that he's got and that he's not going to play against France, and obviously there's no retallic. So we've lost a couple of guys there. So to me, it's, it's um, what do they do with that loose forward uh, trio mix, really? Does Jacobson come straight in? Do they think about a, uh, you know, a positional switch for anyone? Um, mm. it's, a, it's unfortunate that Frizzell you know, is unlikely to play that, that uh, France test because the 
the forward pack, it was pretty much set. The front row was set. We had our two locks. White lock was coming off the bench. Um, but I suppose the, the injury to Retallick and, and then the, the problem with the Frizzell hamstring means there are going to be a couple of changes. Mm. That back line, to me, looks set uh, in stone. I don't think there's going to be uh, too much there. I think we're going to see uh, Will Jordan revert to the wing. You can see Mark Talia on one. Both Barrett's going to be back at fullback. You're going to get the Barrett-Yawani midfield combination, Mwanga and Smith, 9 and 10. So the back line, to me, is good set to go and I can't see them changing any of that although we've now got these issues with these uh, enforced issue, uh, injury issues which means uh, it's likely that Sam Whitelock will start obviously against France now with no Brody Retallick um, and then it comes down to who, who wears that number six jersey so, so I suppose the blind side is the only one really Smithy that I can see that's uh, is slightly contentious there's a couple of options there for, for Ian Foster and the coaching staff to mull over the next couple of weeks. Okay, uh, so where do we go judiciary-wise um, now that we're having round two uh, for Mr Farrell and round one for Billy Vunapola? Yeah, problems here for England, isn't it? I mean, the uh, going, we'll start with the Farrell one because it's been the most contentious. I just can't believe, um, and I've list, listened and read uh, as extensively as, as I think I, I should have and could have to make a to have an opinion on it, I just can't believe that he's not going to uh, cop some kind of sanction in this appeal. I can't believe World Rugby uh, are just going to are going to have to walk away with nothing here. The fact they've they've decided to uh, appeal that decision that was made by that independent um, panel suggests they're not happy with the way this was uh, policed and then ruled. Um, and also, for me, Smithy, there's a there's a problem here. World Rugby know that it's a perception thing as much as as anything. They've had they had to appeal. Now, if that gets thrown out again. Then, then I think there's a real issue here for, for the game. So they'll be concerned about. I think he will be banned. I think Farrell will get a will get a ban on appeal. I think World Rugby will win that, uh, and he will be uh, banned. So they'll be without England will be without their captain. I'm certain for the first game against Argentina. And as for Billy Vinopolo, um, it does it does speak to a bit of an issue, doesn't it, for for England and some of the discipline that they've had. I mean, they've really struggled to keep 15 players on the field during these warm-up games. And, and we know that in a World Cup, uh, when it, with one or two points or one or two moments can separate uh, the teams, you can't afford to go down to 15 and give away penalties from, from kickable positions. That's how the World Cups are generally won. Those knockout games are won by uh, those who take advantage of those moments. And England at the moment have got a bit of an issue. But uh, in the short term, I suspect they'll probably be without Vinopolo and Farrell for the opening game, which is a big one against Argentina. Yeah, and it's the one that, and within the group that I think they're under the most threat from, that is for sure. Hey, Tom, great to catch up with you. Thanks uh, very much for your time this morning uh, and look forward to catching up again at some stage. Cheers, man. My pleasure, Smithy, anytime.